freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 355 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is the Arizona's governor's race, and our guest is Matt Salmon. Matt has previously served in both the Arizona State Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives, and now he's running for governor of Arizona. In his previous election positions, he earned a reputation for standing on principle and challenging the status quo, ultimately becoming a co-founder of the conservative House Freedom Caucus along leaders like Jim Jordan, Ron DeSantis, and Mark Meadows, and Mick Mulvaney. During his time in Congress, Matt's earned awards for being a defender of liberty, for being the taxpayer hero from Citizens Against Government Waste. Do we have government waste? Oh, my gosh. We don't have enough time to talk about it, but we do have time to welcome Matt Salmon. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, what a distinguished uh, resume. What a distinguished career you've had. And you clearly have uh, enacted the idea that you are a representative of your constituents. I don't think every elected official can actually say that. And you were definitely skilled in the political arena, but man, is that a lion's den. And I think the lions are becoming more venomous as time goes on. What makes you want to jump back in and run for Arizona governor? Um, more than anything, it's the fear of losing our freedom. Mm. Uh, I think about, uh, you know, the country that my mom and dad left to me, uh, ha having grown up during the Great Depression and dad having fought against the Japanese in New Guinea in World War II. And I think about, the, you know, the promise that every parent has that they want to leave a better America to their kids and their grandkids. And right now, I feel like our freedoms are just slipping away. Um, a year ago, we had a pretty secure border. We had uh, a great economy. We had uh, energy independence. Uh, you know, I, I can go through all kinds of great things that this country stood for. And in less than a year, everything's gone to hell in a handbasket mm -hmm. uh, with the Biden administration. And they're trying to encroach more and more and more onto the state's rights. And uh, my feeling is not on my watch. Um, you know, it is. Uh, it, it, it's not an easy arena to be in. Um, you know, it's gotten nastier than probably it's ever been in my whole life, but the stakes are high. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it was Einstein that said for every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And right now, we either are going to act or we're going to be acted upon. 
And mm -hmm. that's to me is what, what the stakes are. The stakes are freedom. And uh, we can't sit by and just expect it to stay around if we're not willing to fight for it. Absolutely. So what would you say makes you uniquely qualified to be one of the 50 people who are governors across this nation? Well, I've had a, a great uh, combination of uh, experience in the private sector. I worked in the private sector for about 30 years, and uh, I've uh, worked in large companies. I worked in a Fortune 500 company and climbed up into the upper management of that company. I've started my own companies. Uh, I've run uh, trade associations, and I've uh, been a member of the state legislature and the US Congress. And I think that that combination of actually understanding how to navigate through very, very difficult situations and also having a record of actually doing the things that I say I'm gonna do. You know, candidates can say anything. And we've heard that before. You know, they, they come to it during the campaign and they say, well, I promise this, I promise that. I've actually got a record, unlike uh, the other candidates that are running for governor, I actually have a record of uh, uh, being a proven conservative fighter. Uh, you know, I started the Freedom Caucus, uh, term limited myself and honored that term limit pledge, unlike most of the people that did. And so I developed a reputation for a guy that keeps his word. And I think that that means a lot today, especially more than, you know, more than ever. Absolutely. Um, and in your previous roles, so thinking back and also forward at the same time and holding in your mind our second amendment rights here in the state of Arizona, we call them the rights to keep and bear arms. Uh, how have you impacted our second amendment rights and how do you plan looking forward to protect them? Well, from the earliest time, you know, when I uh, joined the state legislature back in 1990, uh, I was an original sponsor of the legislation that created the CCWs in the first place. Uh, I was uh, uh, one of the sponsors of that bill and uh, strongly supported it. And I think I was one of the first people in Arizona to get a CCW. Uh, I, I was really pleased when the state legislature improved on that and uh, made uh, constitutional carry uh, the law of the land here in Arizona. But I do believe that CCWs are still an important aspect of the Second Amendment here in Arizona. Uh, and I still hold one, uh, and uh, my wife does too, and I think it's really, really important. Um, we get reciprocity with, what is it, about 30-some other states, and uh, also um, it kind of cuts the time down a little bit when you go and buy a weapon, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I like that too. But, uh, you know, I've, I've been faced with all kinds of votes, uh, both in the state legislature and in the Congress, uh, dealing with everything you can imagine uh, on the Second Amendment, and I've got a perfect record, you know, mm -hmm. voting for the Second Amendment. Uh, I'm A-rated by the NRA, uh, and uh, uh, I haven't equivocated ever on that. When it comes to the, you know, the issues uh, of today, I will fight with everything I got against red, red flag laws in this state. Not going to happen under my watch. Uh, I support uh, uh, campus carry, uh, and. Uh, you know, there's just a whole host of things that are going to probably be coming up to try to erode our Second Amendment rights. When I was in Congress, I don't know if you're familiar with the Hearing Protection Act dealing with suppressors. Mm -hmm. I, that was my bill. Uh, I was the oh. very per first person to ever introduce that bill ever. In fact, it was my dream child. Um, I, uh, I introduced that clear back in, I believe, 20, uh, 2014. 
Um, and uh, it was a priority for me then, it's still a priority. Uh, I personally think that suppressors uh, and uh, short barrel rifles shouldn't be part of that act. Uh, I don't believe you should have to pay for a stamp to get those kind of things. Uh, I've lost a lot of my hearing because of my shooting over the years. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm an avid hunter as well as an avid, avid uh, marksman. I love to go out and target shoot. And I've lost uh, a lot of hearing and, and, you know, suppressors are a great tool uh, for, uh, you know, dealing with your, your training. Um, both uh, in suppressing the, the noise of the weapon and it suppresses the recoil somewhat too. Yeah, and what they don't tell you that when they, you know, the people that oppose to this law is that the suppress, they, they make a suppressor act like it's some kind of magic tool <laughs> that uh, doesn't that make any noise at all yeah. and that they're easy to shoot and that they're accurate and all this other stuff. It's, it's crazy uh, how they can, I don't know, it just, I, I have I have a number of suppressors. I have one, uh, actually two of them for my uh, two two three. Uh, I have one for my nine millimeter. I have one for my twenty two, and I have one that I'm waiting for the stamp uh, for my for my three, for my three oh eight. Um, but I'm a big believer, um, you know. In a lot of the European countries, they actually require that you use suppressors when you go hunting because of the noise issues. This idea that, you know, if you're going to get a suppressor, you're some kind of assassin, uh, you know, made popular during James Bond movies. Um, right. You know, let's stop legislating based on folklore and let's back, let's legislate based on reality. But right. I'm a big believer that uh, suppressors ought to be able to be bought over the counter and they should be. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I mean, for the listeners out there that have never applied for a suppressor or short boat rifle, it takes nine to 12 months to get one. And your life changes in nine or 12 months. Uh, gun shops change, management change. There's so many things that can affect you getting that at the end. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, and it's ridiculous because it really serves no purpose. You know, over, over the, I've, I've been a precinct committeeman in the Republican party for 35 years. And, and I've been fighting for, you know, conservative values uh, over that amount of time. And I can't tell you how many pro second amendment uh, gatherings and dinners and rallies I've been to. And it's really amazing because I look at uh, the people I'm running against uh, in the Republican primary, one in particular, I've never seen her at, uh, at, at a pro second amendment rally ever. And it's amazing that, you know, you, you do want a tried and tested fighter, somebody that you know, when you get in, I mean, think about it. Um, you know, when you get into uh, these debates and, and they get pretty intense. And every time we have a shooting, there's this big hue and cry, you know, to take away our Second Amendment rights, and and the pressure's pretty intense. I've had to cast those votes time and time and time again, and always been tried and true. And I think that's worth something. When you're betting on what somebody's going to do in the future, look at what they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's very fair. Um, so other issues that are going to face whoever is our next Arizona governor, uh, we are a border state. We've been hearing, uh, you know, basically wall to wall on the news, every kind of news station, what kind of disaster is happening on our borders? What, uh, what are you seeing as if you become our, our next Arizona governor, some of the key things that you can do to help protect those borders and make them mean something again? So I'm glad you asked that question. And here, this little document here 
the U.S. Constitution. Yes, winning. <laughs> Double barrel. So anyway, <laughs> anyway um, you know, it's uh, it's very very clear on what rights the state has, uh, and that's when you asked me earlier. You know, why am I running? Um, I think that the biggest reason is that our freedoms are being taken away, and if we want to get them back, it's clear it's not going to happen in Washington D.C. I mean, they're just not going to get it done. If it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen at the state level. Mm -hmm. and we're going to have to have some governors, uh, some chief executives of states with spines of steel that are willing to invoke the 10th Amendment to the mm -hmm. Constitution and mm -hmm. willing to stand up. And, uh, you know, you've probably heard of the term nullification. It basically just means that we're not going to roll over when you do something that we believe is unconstitutional or detrimental to the citizens of our state. We're gonna stand up and we're gonna fight you on it. We're not gonna just roll, roll over and do what you say. And conversely, when you don't do what you're supposed to do, and in this document, in article four, section four, it guarantees the states one thing, that it will protect them from invasion. And I've been to the border numerous times and uh, been there with our border sheriffs. And I guarantee you what's happening with the cartels is an invasion. Mm -hmm. And we should, we should designate the cartels as a terrorist organization, that should happen. And I think we should do it at the state level, but ultimately it has to be done at the federal level. Uh, and it will open up a lot of tools uh, for us to, to deal with them. But the other thing is, if the federal government isn't going to honor its commitment to keep us free from invasion, then we have a right to protect, protect our own sovereign borders. And I will do everything in my power to get that wall built. Um, even if, uh, if the federal government's not gonna do it, we'll find a way to get it done as a state. Now it's gonna be complicated, won't be easy. Uh, we're having to deal with a lot of federal lands and a lot of uh, uh, Native American uh, sovereign territories. And so it, it'll involve, I'm sure, a lot of negotiation and a lot of hard work. It's not gonna be a cakewalk, but I will get it done. We will, we will start that process because if Biden doesn't do it, then we will. Um, the second thing is in Texas, uh, they have a, a law that says if you violate a, uh, an existing state law within a, an area that's designated as a disaster area, then the penalties go way up. I'd like to get the same matrix of laws here in Arizona where we have design, uh, designated the term disaster area. And then we declare the areas where the illegal, illegal immigration is the greatest disaster areas and the penalties for things like criminal trespass go way up and it allows our law enforcement people to go ahead and arrest and incarcerate. Because that's what all of the border sheriffs have been telling me from Leon Wilmot to, uh, uh, to uh, Mark Lamb uh, to, you know, every one of the border sheriffs have told me that the federal, uh, the federal stooges won't let us uh, arrest anybody. Well, that's, that's garbage. We can arrest for a violation of state laws. We just have to get more creative on how we do it and uh, give those law enforcement guys the tools that they need, which means changes in the laws, beeping up our laws, as well as uh, wireless cameras, helicopters, whatever they need to get the uh, cam you know, cameras uh, that are posted on trucks, everything that they need to get the job done. And I intend to do that. Fantastic. So I think it's your email that's dinging. And it's just so funny, the timing of it. It's almost like it's punctuating. Like every time you hit an important point, it's like, there boom. You go. <laughs> um, so, you know, what you were just talking about kind of leads us into another question I wanted to ask, you know, this whole idea of 
infrastructure, right? Infrastructure, you know, you're talking about at the border, you know, we could use a wall. I think you said wall. Did you, did I hear, hear that? How do you feel about the wall? Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I said. That I would like to, uh, we will get the wall done that the federal government's not. I've been there and I've seen all the uh, pieces for the wall just laying there on the ground and we got to get it done. And yeah. so as governor, I will, I will get that done. I will start that process. And just like Governor Abbott's doing in Texas, we will go ahead and get that done here in Arizona. You know, it would be better if the federal government did their job and protected mm -hmm. the states. But since they're not, we have to take the responsibility into our own hands. Absolutely. And you're talking about wireless cameras and helicopters and all these kinds of things. And, you know, these are the kinds of infrastructures that I think we really need. And never once have I heard anybody on the GOP side say, yeah, and it's going to cost, you know, in the trillions of dollars. And yet here we have, you know, the, and, and again, Arizona governor is a state um, it's a state office. It's not the, a federal office, but you know, a lot of these people you've worked with a lot of these people at the federal level. Right. And, you know, we are seeing that our state will be impacted. Our citizens will be impacted. If, if these huge infrastructure bills, any of the three that I've heard, you know, there's the, the high dollar, the medium dollar and the low dollar, if any of them pass, they're all bad. grandchildren and mine. Yeah. are going to be impacted by that. And this, this idea of infrastructure, it's not going to secure our borders. It's not going to do some of the things that we really need to have done. What do you no, say they're, about they're, that? They're spending money. I mean, the, let's face it, the federal debt right now is at 30 trillion, which most people can't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that money, uh, paying back that debt is left to our children, our grandchildren, which is the most irresponsible thing I've ever seen in my life. But also, they're expanding government into vir virtually every aspect of our lives through this legislation. And uh, I was pretty frustrated with the ones that uh, sided with uh, the infrastructure bill, uh, the Republicans that did, because it, it's money we don't have. Um, and everybody's feeling the heat right now with inflation. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that when you print money, that you know, when you print money to pay off debt, uh, you're going to get inflation. And mm -hmm. it, it turns into hyperinflation. And it's been a direct result of the horrible policies of this administration and the money that they're spending that we don't have. Not to mention the fact creating excessive government that's going to basically encroach into every aspect of our lives, whether it's, you know, and, and, and this isn't necessarily this legislation, but it's coming out of this administration, whether it's forcing people uh, to have vaccine mandates, uh, whether it's forcing uh, you know, people to, you know, mask up, whether it, whether it's uh, uh, sending investigators into our school boards to try to make terrorists out of innocent law-abiding parents that just want to exercise their First Amendment privileges. I mean, it's, it's, it's government, it, it's at the point where we're dealing, we're, we're almost dealing with a monarchy, mm -hmm. where they're, it, it, our founding fathers established a system of checks and balances in two ways. At the, at the federal level, they, uh, they created a system of checks and balances between the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. And the executive's taking more and more authority, doing more and more through executive power and executive authority. Uh, and the Congress just sits dumbly by and lets them do it. And then the second one was through the 10th Amendment and also the fact that initially in our constitution, senators were appointed by state legislatures. Those two things together wanted to, uh, were meant to ensure 
that uh, the states really were the big seat of power in our government. It wasn't the federal government. And, and those lines have been almost erased mm -hmm. over the last several years. But we've got to get on our feet again, and we've got to fight on those grounds, on the, the states' rights, the Tenth Amendment grounds, and take our government back. We've got to. It's the only shot that we've got. And Absolutely. that's that's what keeps me awake at night. That's what gets me into this fight, because I, I really do believe that uh, what Ronald Reagan said, that freedom's always just one generation away from extinction. It's here and now. Mm -hmm. uh, my good friend, Andy Biggs, uh, dear, dear friend mm -hmm. that uh, was at a function with me uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he got up and he said, you know, we're at a crossroads. And I, I got up afterwards. And I said, Andy, I don't think we're at a crossroads anymore. I think we were at a crossroads a long time ago. Mm. We took the wrong turn. We're about to fall off the cliff. And if we don't seize the opportunity now, I shudder to think what is the future for our kids are going to be. Absolutely. You know, uh, our show actually starts with that Ronald Reagan quote. And I think that we are down to our freedoms are one election away from extinction. Yeah. And then when we look back at the last election, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of haze over yeah. whether our elections are actually secure. If my vote actually does count as a single vote that really came from me, um, how are we to secure that system so that in 2022, we have confidence in the time it takes to go to the polls and and cast our vote. Well, I've put out a 10 point plan on, uh, it's called the uh, Voters Bill of Rights. Uh, first and foremost, we gotta make sure that that ban on ballot harvesting stays uh, in the state of Arizona, because if, you if you're gonna harvest ballots, you're gonna, it's just ripe with uh, the opportunity to cheat. Um, the second thing is that we, we need to require ID for every ballot cast in Arizona, that includes voting by mail. And right now, 92% of the vote last time was by mail, and there's no requirement for voter ID. We've got to require that for mail-in ballots. Uh, number three, uh, within 60 days before the election, we should pass a law that says no changes to the election uh, within 60 days. Judge, A judge can't change it. Nobody can. Um, that needs to be ironclad. We need to get back to precinct voting. Now, these are all long-term things. I think in the short term, uh, you know, that... Uh, enough people are really, really concerned about the election uh, that I, I would really like to see us get, uh, uh, you know, get back to same day voting uh, and also um, paper ballots, uh, you know, hand count and not using machines just for the next election to make sure that we, we, we win everybody's trust back. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it is a sacrifice. I get it. I know we've been, you know, voting by mail for, you know, years and years and years, but right now I think that, you know, Freedom isn't free. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we all have to sacrifice to keep and to fight for. And my hope is that this issue is front and center for every voter. And you know, if, if voting doesn't have integrity, then does anything else really matter? I don't think so. Exactly. And you know, what's crazy to me, Matt, is you know, we have more mobility now than we've ever had in our lives. And now is when we can't figure out how to get to the polls on election day, you know, you think back generations before, somehow they got it done. And now we we're even, crying victim. We that can we even can't declare control. a state holiday for election day mm -hmm. so that there's no, you know, mm -hmm. 
no impediments, no reason that you, you know, that, you know, that you can't make it to the polls. It's such an important part of uh, our society and our government and our, well, our, our republic, our freedom, um, that we really need to pay uh, close attention to the detail of what happens in the next election, because a lot of us are really, really concerned that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe our vote doesn't count. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, the people that feel that our vote doesn't count, I'll tell you what really doesn't count hmm. is the people that don't vote. That's hmm. when it really counts. Yeah. Because if you don't, don't do anything, if you don't do anything, it's nothing. It's it definitely not, doesn't right. count. Doesn't <laughs> That's count. for sure. But, so I'm going to get the name of this wrong. And I apologize that I, I should have uh, looked it up before I, I had you on. But you assembled uh, a bunch of local Arizona business owners uh, to to help you with issues of our economy, I believe. Uh, right. What What is that? What is that? Uh, it's, it's just a, it's just a business advisory council and um, more than anything um, I don't believe the government creates jobs mm -hmm. I mean no, candidates, that drives me nuts when, when I hear that when a candidate stands up and says well you know vote for me and I'll, I'll create jobs I'll, I'll create x amount of jobs it's like come on government doesn't create jobs the private sector people create jobs and not government the best thing that government can do is get out of the way mm -hmm. and have low taxes and have low regulations and have low barriers to entry uh, so that uh, business can thrive. And that's the rising tide that lifts all boats because when uh, jobs are available and people, uh, you know, their kids don't have to leave the state to get a job, everybody's happy. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and when people are happy, uh, they, you know, the economy's humming, uh, you know, everything else seems to go well too, but, but, in order to make that happen, we've got to have a government that understands that entrepreneurialism and great ideas are what create, uh, you know, a great economy and not, uh, you know, not government. So I've created a, a, a team of lots and lots and lots of people that- It's a you know, long all, list. <laughs> yeah, from all walks of life that are giving me ideas. One of the other things that I'm hearing from people is they can't get employees. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons they can't get employees is that we've got government programs that pay people to stay home. Mm -hmm. And that's we're competing just, with the government who's using our that. tax dollars. Right. And maybe those are the government jobs that are creating, you know, the couch potatoes that are, you know, <laughs> being paid to stay home. Uh, you know, not very productive, but, um, but, but we've got to turn that around. The other thing uh, to really make business succeed in this state is to make sure we have a really great educational system. Thank and you. our educational system in the state, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, with uh, uh, what happened during COVID and the teachers not willing to come in and, and teach and, and uh, kids uh, falling through the cracks mm -hmm. um, and also teaching these woke uh, agendas like critical race theory and, uh, you know, the passing off pornography as, uh, mm -hmm. as uh, sex education. Right. I mean, it's just one thing after another. I am such a big believer that parents need to be able to vote with their feet and parents should be able to decide whatever school their kids are going to go to and be able to take their tax dollars with them. That's a really big part of what I believe uh, will turn our educational system around too. Competition works in every arena. Mm -hmm. You know, in the business arena, competition makes better products and lower prices. Absolutely. Why wouldn't it work, why wouldn't it work in education? You know, if, if, if these people believe 
that the parents and the children are their, actually their customers mm-hmm. and that they're going to lose customers if they don't wake up and, and you know, act right. Um, if they don't stop teaching these crazy woke agendas, if they don't get back to the basics. And when I say basics, I think schools have got to teach reading, writing, math, science, civics, and vocational education. Not every kid's bound for college. And let's realize that, that a lot of kids, my, my wife works for the East Valley Institute of Technology, EVIT, which is uh, uh, a group that teaches uh, uh, kids, uh, you know, things like welding. And uh, my granddaughter is actually studying cosmetology there. Um, kids uh, can be, get their, uh, their license and, and become an electrician after they graduate from there. Great things. And they get, you know, great incomes right after they graduate from high school with a certificate. These kind of opportunities are great too, but let's focus our attention on preparing our children for the workforce mm-hmm. so that they can go out and compete and actually, you know, take care of their families. And, and that's what life's all about. And so let's, let's get back to make it, having an educational system that's actually accountable. Well, I love all of that. And, you know, I, I didn't go to college until a little later in life. I, we already had, uh, you know, we were married for several years. We already had, my daughter was two. Um, so I went back as an adult. And so I was earning while I was learning. I never went the route of, um, uh, you know, getting student loans, that sort of thing. So through the years, through Dan's hard work and my own, I've earned my master's degree. This guy right here is one of the most accomplished guys I know, no college, no college. And so we're kind of on either end of the spectrum of that. She does the smart things. I do the common sense. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And that idea that you just spelled out, if you have a vocation, you can be earning. Oh, yeah while you're learning, if you really do want to get something that's a degreed, um, you know, pathway. Most of the things I learned in school were on the lathe, the mill, and the wood shop. Yeah. yeah. School. yeah. And they don't have that anymore. And you've turned that well, into and, multiple and, businesses. And we, uh, we've got to get back to vocational education in this country too. Not every kid is going to be bound for college. Mm-mm. And we got to quit trying to squeeze, uh, you know, round pegs into square holes. And we've got to we've got to teach what kids are interested in, and you know a lot of kids end up dropping out if you're teaching them for college and they're not college bound. They end up dropping out. Whereas if you would have given them an opportunity for uh, you know uh, vocational education, they would have stayed, and they would have actually gone on and gotten their high school degree, and or and then uh, gotten probably gotten a certificate and something else, mm-hmm. and uh, been making good money instead of being a high school dropout. And so let's figure out other options uh, for kids and stop having one size fits all. Uh, The other thing is, I think teachers should be paid based on merit and not Mm -hmm. just how long they live. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, everybody gets the same increase in mostly school districts every year. uh, Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work anywhere else on the planet, except maybe, uh, you know, the former Soviet Union. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, people should be rewarded based on the job they do. And I, I think that, uh, you know, giving people an incentive to be better at their job and uh, do a better job with these kids, that, that would go a long way. And I don't have a problem with uh, teachers making really great income as long as they earn it. Oh, absolutely. I, I love that. All right. Well, we need to start wrapping up. Um, so as we do, please tell folks, remind us just as we go out, 
uh, not only how we can reach out and help maybe with your campaign, because campaigns take people power and money power. Yeah. And then also, so let us know how we can reach out either websites or social media pages, but also sort of encapsulate for our listeners and, and leave that, them uh, fresh in mind why you are uniquely qualified to be Absolutely. the next Arizona governor. Thanks, Cheryl. Um, so you can go to my website, which is mattsalmonforaz.com. And it's M-A-T-T-S-A-L-M-O-N-F-O-R-A-Z.com. And you can have access to literally all my social media. There's a donation page. You can sign my petition online. You can request uh, petition, hard uh, paper petitions to come to your house so you can uh, get more petitions uh, for me. And that's really helpful. We need all the help we can get there. Uh, you can donate uh, on, that, uh, on that page as well. So, uh, and it also goes through um, my positions and why I believe I'm uniquely qualified. But let me reiterate that again. I am a proven conservative fighter, proven time and time again. I was uh, given the top awards by every conservative group uh, when I was a congressman from uh, the Family Research Council to the Citizens Against Government Waste, uh, to the NRA, uh, to the National Right to Life. I've been given their top awards. And that's because I vote the right way. And I'm a proven commodity. You're not making a chance or taking a chance on voting for me. You can see exactly how I voted in the past. That's the difference between me and these other candidates is that I actually have a record of doing exactly what I say I'm going to do. And when I say that I'm gonna stand up to the federal government and assert Arizona first, I will do exactly that. And I will do everything I can to assert the 10th Amendment to the Constitution to taking our freedoms back and making sure that Arizona, which is to me the best place for freedom, growth, opportunity, stays the best place for freedom, growth, and opportunity. And uh, I will, I will uh, fight my heart out to get that done because I know what's at stake. I so appreciate that. And you know, we have so many, you and, and Dan and I, mutual friends. And you know, usually if you want a good recommendation for something, you know, do you go to Yelp or do you go to your friends? Right. And so, you know, chatting with our, our mutual friends and that's usually where you get the dirt too, you know? And so I'm like, all right, so tell me about this Matt Salmon guy, because for the most time that, that for the most part, while I've been, you know, being more political minded and, and, you know, getting tapped into my constitution and having this radio show, uh, you were in the private sector. And so where I recognized your name, I, I wasn't super familiar um, to a person, I will say to you and to our listening audience, to a person, uh, our mutual friends have the highest opinion of you. I've heard zero dirt. I'm a little disappointed, actually, you know, <laughs> nobody's dishing anything. Um, and I think that that definitely, um, you know, speaks to your character, uh, whether you are, you know, at dinner with these people or whether you are in your suit and tie at the legislature and how you are protecting our rights. Well, thanks a lot, Cheryl. Um, you know, I told my wife, every time that you run for office, you find out things about you that you've never known before. Um, I didn't know I did that thing, right? Yeah, on that day. I never knew I did that. I mean, I didn't know I was in prison or, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, that I was a drug dealer or, you know, you hear the worst, uh, you know, kind of rumors 
uh, during campaigns. And it's sad. It really is. And they really seem to come out more in, in primaries than they do other elections. But uh, I just want folks to know, you can. I've never been uh, sued by anybody, and I've never sued anybody. Um, and I've been married to the same gal for 42 years. We have four kids and nine grandchildren. And uh, I believe I've, I've comported myself in an honorable and, and uh, a way full of integrity my whole life. And, and so uh, uh, I look forward to leading this state in a positive, good way and uh, getting our freedom back. Fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I know that this is not going to be an easy road uh, from here until the vote in 2022. But I so admire people who will step up and go into that, that arena of politics and, and treat it as a, uh, as a public servant. We need more public servants rather than people who are looking for titles to pad their resumes and uh, money to pad their wallets. So, well, I need another political job like a hole in the head. Um, <laughs> in fact, in fact, if it wasn't for what's at stake right now, I'd be happy to just sit this one out. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I I'm very frightened, and yes. uh, I I can't look myself in the mirror or look at my children and, and say, you know what, I'm going to take a pass on this one. Right. I, I hear you and I appreciate it because whatever we do or don't do in our lifetime, it will impact our children and our children's children. So th thank you so much, Matt thank Salmon. Right, thank you, Matt. We appreciate you. Right. We will be seeing you at the polls. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. 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 Wow. You know, it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that impressed me, what he said is, you know, he gets these line of, of people that are experienced in what they do mm -hmm. to give their opinions on certain issues, mm -hmm. which is, I think, super important because a person, a man mm -hmm. or a woman, mm -hmm. can't know everything. Right. And they need the advice from responsible people, you know, that will help him lead to mm -hmm. making the right decisions. Absolutely. And what is so hard about uh, hiring anybody, whether we're hiring them in our place of business or whether we're hiring a representative with our votes, is will they really do what we have hired them to do? And so someone having a record uh, of having served before is very, very helpful, um, but it doesn't end there. And that's that's the part that we as citizens, not only do we have to do whatever it takes to step up, get informed and vote, right? right. But then that's not where our job ends. No. And too often, that's it. That's all we do. No, you have to review the guys every once in a while. You have to make sure they're doing their job and you have to send letters and you have to question what they're doing. And Absolutely. Uh, so uh, Lately, I've been hearing this phrase more and more often. We have to thank our elected representatives, and we have to spank our elected representatives, right? Oh, I'd like so to give a couple some spankings let right them, now. Let them know when they've done a good job. Like, here's an example. We've got Kristen Cinema. She's a Democrat. And so we disagree on a lot of things, but she is one of our Arizona state senators. She is one of two people who are holding the line and not allowing this horrific infrastructure bill, any of them, the, the top, middle, or the, the, the affordable one, right, from going through. And we need to be thanking her, every one of us, whatever 
place you land on the political spectrum. We need to reach out to her office. We need to, on social media, be sending appreciation because that is a tough, tough job to go against your party. I cannot imagine the heat that she's taking, the pressure she's getting. And so we need to thank people, even when otherwise we would disagree with them. And then when we have people on our own side of the aisle or, or otherwise, when they do things that are contrary to this document that every single elected representative has taken an oath, I don't care whether they're Democrat, independent, Republican, libertarian, whatever you are, you take an oath to protect this. It's the same document. How are we so frank fragmented when everyone has taken that oath to protect the exact same words that our founders put quilled parchment to write? Um, when people go contrary to this document, then they need they need a letter. They need, That's to, be they need to spank spanked. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, and you think about her cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. She. Uh, She's only hearing from the people that are disagreeing with her that are on her own side, Mm -hmm. saying, you're stupid, you're doing it, blah, blah. If she hears from the other side saying, this is the right thing to do, and Mm -hmm. it it helps her. It's like the devil on the right shoulder and left shoulder, you know, Mm -hmm. or angel on one side. And so she needs to be informed that, hey, this this is good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, it is going to be our our next election here in Arizona, it is going to be, I said this last time, a doozy. It is definitely going to be a doozy because we now have this whole new layer of voter confidence that our votes, do they matter? Do they not matter? Our systems in place, you know, did the, did the audit help us do things smarter, safer, um, you know, or everything is so partisan. And so we've got that whole new layer that we didn't have before that might discourage people from even finding out who they should vote for and why they should vote for a person. And then the choices in front of us are going to be, I mean, I'm seeing some really um, good quality candidates coming up for multitudes of different um, uh, positions. And we have to pay attention to who the dog catcher is, who city council is, who um, school boards are, who our mayors are, we have to pay attention at all levels. And we've got some awesome people coming up. Uh, so it's, it, I think it's going to come down to, uh, oof, we got a really, really great candidate or a really, really great candidate. And that is because we've gone through such a rough and tumble time. Right. So there's always something good to come out of everything. And um, do your research. Do our research for sure. Yep. All right. Well, I think we need to thank our awesome guest today, Matt Salmon, uh, and all of our amazing listeners all over the planet. This is not just an Arizona issue, electing people, what we elect them to do, how we elect them. This is not just an Arizona issue. This is everywhere. And there are people right now that are watching us and listening from other countries that wish that they had the problems we have, right? (laughs) So uh, we are very blessed um, and we are blessed to have you as viewers and listeners because your time is your most finite commodity. And when you spend it with us, that is everything. We notice it. You are appreciated. Thank you. Yes. All right. 
And if you want to watch any of these videos with these subject matter experts that we've had on over the years, you can go to the, uh, you, the YouTube, right? And when you get there, please subscribe. It helps YouTube know that you want this content, right? Uh, please push the notifications button so that every time we post up something new, you get a little ding and you know to, oh, it's time for Gun Freedom Radio, right? You can also find us on GunStreamer. You can find us on the smartphone app called OpsLens. And if you like to listen to the audio only version, because maybe you're out for a, a beautiful drive, looking at the changing of the leaves, we don't have that here in uh, the Phoenix area too much because the cacti don't change colors, but- um, They get flowers on them. There you the go. Summertime. But we do have some beautiful areas of the desert. So, you know, wherever you are uh, that you like to just listen to the audio only version, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content to all of the episodes we have posted there. And if you want to see photos and bios and links to all the works of all the people we've ever had on the show, click the guest tab. And uh, it is a tremendous resource of subject matter experts. And when you spend time there, we don't hate that. No. So, all right. Until next time, we are going to pray for our nation. Oh, yes. We're going to pray for our nation. Pray for and our, our world. Leaders. And our leaders. We're going to pray for our leaders, people put in positions of authority. They're, they're not leaders. Though. That's why I just clarified for you. Right? Position of authority. Position of responsibility, right? So that our representatives can truly see themselves as representatives. There are so, so few people that control this country. It's true. The number is so low mm -hmm. that if you look at it compared to how many people live in this country, mm -hmm. why are we allowing them to, to do what they're doing to us? Well, with the next election, it is very possible that we could have a major sea change. Uh, we are seeing in Virginia, we're sitting in the studio on Monday, November 1st, 2021. So by the time this airs, what's happening with the, the 2021 elections will be done. But in Virginia, they're voting on their governor, their lieutenant governor, their attorney general, and all 100 seats in their house. Also, local level, as we were talking about, all elections matter, your mayor, your city council, all those lots of things going on. So what happens in Virginia could give us a really strong indicator of it, what we can anticipate. It blows my mind. In 2022. The fact that the 13 original states mm -hmm. are liberally controlled. Mm -hmm. It seemed that those would be the last one because mm -hmm. they're the ones that came up with our mm -hmm. our ideas and what this country should be. And so you'd think that it would start from way, way, way far away and slowly encroach on us, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's right there. Oh, and New so Jersey right. is like it's it's um it's unbelievable to know. You got all right, just to let you know, you can only buy one gun a month in New Jersey. Yeah. Well, look at Delaware. Weren't they the first state to ratify? the constitution and their whole house and Senate, I think Democrat, 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 which is fine to be Democrat, but what Democrats are standing for right now is not based 
in our constitution. No, so it that's a but great maybe point. Maybe it's man. above their pay grade. Mm. Bill mm. Murphy, New Jersey, mm. not our favorite. All right, we got to get out of here. So um, until next time, folks, be good to each other. Have a great week, and God bless. Bye bye.